0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Frog's Up TCU Sports Podcast. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. And as y'all can tell, we are feeling festive on this Saturday morning. We have the holidays right around the corner with Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We hope that all of you have a fantastic uh, holiday weekend. And we have a a pretty brief episode to go through this morning. Again, we have the holidays right around the corner. Uh, Both of us are pretty busy, so... Uh, We do have a few things to hit on today. TCU football celebrating early signing day on Wednesday, finalizing a large recruiting class that includes over 30 players. We will get into that and talk about uh, what's expected there and what that means for the future of the program. We have some holiday hoops to talk about. TCU traveling to Hawaii for the Diamond Head Classic, picking up a big win over Old Dominion, and then falling in the semifinals to Nevada last night uh the women's program fulfilling my prediction of closing out non-conference play unbeaten picking up two big wins over omaha and mount saint mary so we have all of that uh to cover on today's episode as yes i've got my uh santa leaving a present in the chimney ugly christmas sweater on uh one of my favorites um every year I try and pick up a new ugly Christmas sweater to to wear to the family parties and the, the white elephants and uh, my Christmas plans are going to be pretty low key. Got a lunch tomorrow with some of my aunts and uncles on my mom's side. And then uh, just going to stop by my folks house on Christmas day. Got my grandma coming over and we'll do another lunch there. So my, my plans are going to be pretty low key. Anthony, how about yours?
1: Yeah, out here in Tennessee with the family. So trying to go to the Titans game on Sunday. Um, That'll be fun. I think the weather's going to be nice here. So at least whether the Titans play well or not, at least it'll be good time having the kids out there and um, hanging out with family and just doing the whole Christmas magic. Uh, It'll be a really great time all being together. And yeah, hope all of you are having wonderful holidays as well. And um, that, you know the the TCU presents under the tree, and you know all the, all your presents. Your on it athlete cards and your uh, your Charlie Hustle shirts all are well received uh, as Christmas gifts as well.
0: It's really weird right now up in the Chicagoland area. It's I mean in my place I don't have many Christmas decorations, so it doesn't feel too Christmassy here. But it's been like forty degrees almost 50 degrees here over the last week and i think we've had maybe one actual snow all winter it's been a really kind of a bizarre winter so far up here i don't know what it's what it's like in uh in in tennessee but yeah we're in the 50s we're
1: gonna it's gonna be in the 60s tomorrow christmas eve through on christmas probably 60s which is yeah it's crazy normally it's we've had white christmases here in the past so mm-hmm.
0: it's it's an especially warm christmas i think across the country this year. Yeah, hopefully santa when he comes through on his sleigh uh come in on christmas day hopefully he'll he'll bring some some snow with him as uh we get into our our promos for this episode this episode of course is brought to you all by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle vintage made fresh go to charliehustle.com Get your TCU Horn Frog apparel. Use that promo code War. Get 15% off any TCU items. We also have our exclusive promo code through our partnership with the 1012 Network. That gets you 15% off any item at charliehustle.com. That's the promo code 101215TN1215. Yes, Christmas is right around the corner, but if you need a last-second gift last second stocking stuffer go to on it athlete and get your tcu horn frog trading cards we have affiliate links posted to our facebook and our twitter at frogs of war and also our website frogsofwar.com uh 14 cards per pack packs are 12.99 each 33 percent of all revenue goes to nil uh, support the tcu football program support the student athletes and uh, get that last second stocking stuffer before Santa comes to town in a couple of days here. We also have our prize picks promo code for Daily Fantasy Sports. Use that promo code FROGS12FROGS12. FROGS12. That gets you a 100% deposit match up to $100. TCU Football celebrating a big early signing day, an early Christmas present for Sonny Dykes and the crew as TCU. Uh, finalizes commitments with 34 total players that includes 21 players from the high school JUCO ranks and 13 transfer portal additions. Every transfer except for one has signed so far. The only one who has not is San Diego State offensive lineman Cade Bennett, who is still committed, might just be one of those things where he needs to finish out the school year, uh, maybe earn his degree before he comes over to Fort Worth. But uh, the rest of the transfers, including, uh, wide receivers, Eric McAllister from Boise state, Braylon James from Notre Dame, uh, Cooper McDonald, linebacker from San Diego state, uh, Davion deal edge Rush from Tulane and many more, uh, finalizing their commitments and of the 13 transfers that have signed 12 of them are going to enroll early. That includes Donovan Saunders, the very talented corner from Cal poly, uh, Getting those guys on campus early is a huge deal. They're going to be on campus for the second semester. They're going to be going through spring ball, spring camp, big deal uh, as TCU looks to sort of rebuild this roster and bounce back from a a really disappointing 2023 season of the high school Juco players. Nine of them are going to be on campus early as well. Uh, TCU signing all of its high school JUCO commits. That includes four-star receiver Ja'Kyle Baker, four-star quarterback Hoss Haney, who led the Alito football team to a state championship this year, Uh, four-star running back Jeremy Payne, uh, Nate Palmer, who's a borderline four-star running back, Uh, six offensive linemen signed in this high school JUCO class as well, uh, in in addition to quite a few defensive backs. So all in all, uh, a pretty impressive group of players. Sonny Dykes had a press conference a few days ago, spoke to the media about this class. And as it stands right now, the number four ranked transfer class in the country, only Colorado, uh, Louisville and Ole Miss are better at this point. Uh, Fourteen total transfer additions for TCU. Uh, As a whole, the class is right around top 30. uh, But in the Big 12, specifically, it is one of the best recruiting classes of all the teams in the conference or all the teams that will be coming to the conference next season.
1: Yeah, obviously it's very exciting to get these guys in. I think that the big 12 clearly was a big player in the transfer marketplace. Um, Obviously top ranked Colorado and then TCU and Texas tech, both in the top five. Um, Arizona State and Houston, right there in the top ten. So, or, or I guess Houston is eleven. So, the all, all these teams are looking to after what was probably a pretty down year for overall the Big Twelve, uh, top to bottom. Obviously, Texas gets into the playoff, but and and they hit the trail for the SEC. Um, but all these teams looking to reload and bring in instant impact players uh for the twenty twenty four season. So I think that sets up for uh a very intriguing Big Twelve schedule next year. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Uh it will certainly be interesting to see what Colorado's plan is. Yes, they have the top rated overall um transfer class, but the worst rated overall in in the Big Twelve at least, high school recruiting class. So Uh, not a team that looks to be looking to the distant future. Uh, Maybe that says something about what Deion Sanders expects to do at Colorado. And maybe once his sons are out of there, he'll be out of there as well. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's setting up for a lot of long-term success. Maybe they can bring in the top transfer class every year, Um, you know, and, and that's certainly a way forward. That is a potential way to have, find success in the future. I don't know, but I think it's, very interesting to see how this all will work in the future. I mean, as well, the NCAA is fighting battles in the court, fighting transfers where it's possible multi, multi-time multi transfers is the way of the future, that there will be no transfer restrictions. You could transfer any time in any window and as many, as often as you like. So I think that all of that is very much up in the air but it it's very cool to see these big 12 teams competing nationally in the transfer marketplace where it was thought to be hey this is uh, the 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 rich are going to keep getting richer here which you know there is certainly some of that but um to see TCU in the in the top 5 among these other big 12 squads i think the conference is well positioned to be extremely
0: exciting in 2024 and looking at the high school Juco class for TCU, as far as players who could potentially be uh, immediate impact guys, I think Haas Haney is the one that stands out right away. He's uh, been a part of the Elite Eleven series, all-American caliber quarterback, and had a had a truly tremendous career as a starter at Alito, back-to-back state championships, and with TCU's quarterback room losing Chandler Morris. Josh Hoover is—he's kind of like uh, Will Smith from The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He's standing in the room by himself. He's—he's he's the only real quarterback on the roster right now for the frogs. And so, uh, people have talked about Haas Haney potentially coming in and, and competing for the starting job right away. We'll—we'll we'll see what the quarterback room looks like as the frogs get ready for spring ball. But Haas Haney is definitely going to be a name to keep an eye on as TCU moves into 2024. And then looking at the transfer class, a lot of these guys I think are going to be competing for starting jobs right away with Andy Avalos coming over from Boise State to be the new defensive coordinator, having that edge rusher role, which is going to be new to the TCU defense. I think Davion Deal is someone that has day one starter potential. In the defensive backfield, I think someone like Jace Oliver coming over from Tulsa who's been a a 3-year starter I believe is is a player that could potentially uh compete for a starting job in the, in the secondary with Mark Perry and Miller Bradford I believe both departing from the roster Donovan Saunders Anthony as you said last week is a an FCS gem and is actually one of the highest rated uh transfer additions in this entire class so He's a player that realistically could compete for a starting corner job day one. With TCU losing Josh Newton, they they will have Avery Helm coming back along with Channing Canada. But uh, Canada didn't get a whole lot of starting experience last season. They played quite a bit, but TCU is also losing you know guys like Jayante McMillan and Ish Birdine and, and some others through the the portal. So uh, Donovan Saunders will be another one to to keep an eye on. Looking at the offensive line, TC losing four starters this year. So, uh, Cade Bennett, should he eventually sign, is a guy that's going to likely be a day one starter. And then someone like Bless Harris coming over from Florida State, who was a two year starter for the Seminoles when he was healthy, but just had some injuries over the last few years. If he's healthy, I think you got to almost plug him in as a as a day one starter as well. And then Carson Bruno from Louisiana Tech, who's uh, an All Conference. Player in Conference USA. Uh, not sure if he's going to be a tackle or a guard with with TCU, but another guy that's probably going to be competing for a starting job, if not a a spot on the two deep. So, uh, you know, some of these transfers are going to fill depth. Like I'm looking at like a Cooper McDonald. That's probably a guy that's going to be a, a depth player for TCU with Johnny Hodges and Shadrick Banks coming back, but. Uh, a lot of guys that are going to be potentially starting games for TCU in 2024, and I think that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, and for these high school guys, I mean, TCU threw a lot of bodies at the offensive line problem in these transfer and recruiting classes. I mean, the you, you just ran through all the guys who could potentially step in and fill those holes right away uh, from the transfer class, but I mean, the guys from the the high school class of 2024 are going to be competing for those spots and for reps and for at least, uh, you know, time on the two deep where they might be called upon. And and again, brought in what five, six guys on the offensive line um, from the high school class. Just, uh, it was an obvious area of need that TCU is looking to address both in the transfer portal and with high school guys. And you, you like to see that balance of, you know, we're looking a little bit to the immediate future, but also to the long term future at the position. I think um, also out of the high school class, some guys that might have a chance to contribute right away uh, the two running backs, because, you know, Amani Bailey going to the NFL and that room not picking up anything from the transfer portal. So Nate Palmer and Jeremy Payne both big time for borderline four star guys that uh, very impressive high school careers that could step in and, and earn reps right away uh, from Cam Cook and Trey Sanders. So I, I think that we'll see more of them uh, through spring and fall and into the into the season. I think those guys uh, when they get on campus will be big contributors and Let's not sleep on the specialists either. You know, TCU loses Jordy Sandy and mm-hmm. Griffin Kell, and brings in high school guys Kyle Lemmerman as a kicker and the Australian Ethan Craw. So those guys might step right away into the place kicker and punter roles uh, from day one. I know there's there's maybe some other guys on the roster that will be competing, but uh, very talented specialists and don't want to sell short. I know they end up at the bottom of these lists because the rankings are very different from the rest of, you know, whatever 24 seven and on three and all those guys put out, but um looking forward to those guys. I think that could be your next crop of long-term
0: uh, high-level specialists at some point for TCU. Yeah. Sonny Dykes, when <clears throat> I listened to his press conference on Wednesday, he talked, you know, for, it was about a 30 minute press conference and he spoke for about three minutes about the specialists and Kyle Lemmerman, who is the, uh, he, the best kicker in the state of Texas and arguably the best high school kicker in the country is he, he's actually a three-star prospect, like as a, as a whole on two, four, seven. And you don't see many specialists, kickers, punters, long snappers who are, you know, they, they have their own sort of rankings through outlets like Cole's kicking and uh, and sailor, and Rubio, but to to actually have a three star prospect as a kicker is a pretty dang big deal. So Kyle Lemmerman, as you said, is is going to be a name to watch out for next year with Griffin Kell leaving and Jordy Sandy leaving. Uh, TCU I think has about three or four kickers slash punters on the roster already, but not sure how much experience they've really had. I think Luke Lamanac has mm-hmm. had limited experience. in in place of Griffin Kell, but uh, it's going to be a competition uh, to see who takes on those roles. And, of course, this is early signing day. Technically, uh, February is the official signing day, but, I mean, TCU has basically locked up its class already. Is it possible that the Frogs maybe add a couple players over the next few months? Yes, but um, I think we'll see We've seen the majority of the movement already, and any moves that occur over the next couple of months will be happening very sparingly. So, uh, ultimately, this will we're getting to the point now where it's going to be about getting these guys on campus, which Sonny Dyke said will start happening in mid January. I think January 10th is when some of these guys might start arriving on campus, and then They'll be making the, the push to spring camp, and then ultimately the spring game. Uh, They'll be here before we know it. So uh, a very a very successful early signing day for TCU football. As uh, we do have a couple of transfer portal updates with TCU. Our last episode, we talked about, gosh, I think ten new transfers for for TCU, and uh, since that time, TCU has added two more. Uh, one of which I mentioned already is Jace Oliver, the safety from Tulsa, who was there for five seasons, had over a hundred total tackles and six interceptions over that time, four of which came during the 2023 season. TCU also got a a bonus stocking stuffer early signing day surprise from California linebacker Caleb Elarms Orr, who was with the Golden Bears for, I believe, three seasons and was a starter this year and was a very good player for that Cal defense had some, some, some big offers uh, from other schools out West before ultimately signing with TCU. So uh, that, that's a name I didn't mention previously, but a guy who could compete for a spot on the two deep and probably will be on the two deep at a minimum uh, right away for TCU in 2024. Yeah, definitely. I think
1: i Linebacker depth is going to be huge, Um, and particularly in this defense, I think that you'll need to rotate experienced guys around, and I think he steps right away. And I think other uh, transfer news, just some guys from TCU who have found landing spots. Wide receiver DJ Allen has signed or committed with UTSA. Um, I'm trying to think who we have talked about last. We already talked about Fontenet. Um, yeah. There's still a bunch of these guys have not yet committed to new locations, so you know I don't know if that's they haven't found uh, you know the offer that maybe they were hoping for, or you know if there's some consideration of returning to TCU if there's still a spot available. Uh, the big one was Cordell Russell going to Colorado. We may have talked about that before, yeah. but he's you know that contributed to their nation-leading transfer class and. I think they have high, high expectations for him, just as TCU fans and the TCU staff did with the Horn Frogs. So he'll be staying in the Big 12. Um, Mason White going to Oregon State, I think, is is a good spot. They've had a couple of uh, cornerbacks transfer out. So I think he will probably step in and and be a contributor right away for them as well. So, um, you know, I think we've talked about a lot on this, podcast before about how, you know, seeing these guys leave TCU to, you know, to not have ill will against them really, and, and hope that they find success and, you know, that that success comes against teams that aren't TCU. But um, I think a lot of these guys will have big opportunities. Still know, I haven't seen any news about Chandler Morris offers or nope. anything like that. Had, certainly haven't seen a commitment. So I don't know. I'm sure he's you know, keeping things a little close to the vest there. He's not, you know, out there on Twitter announcing every, uh, you know, contact that he receives like some of these guys do. But um, I I think one would expect him to find a a very solid landing spot that uh, where he's able to to have big success as well.
0: Yeah, Chandler Morris entering the portal, you know, kind of late. With the early signing day, deadline in comparison to when he entered the portal I don't think there was really a lot of time for teams to get him you know signed right away so that'll be something to watch as we move closer to to February is where Chandler Morris winds up and uh, I'm sure there'll be some some power five programs and uh, top level G5 schools reaching out to him so uh, we'll, we'll see where he winds up as We go ahead and wrap up our football discussion this morning and transition into our basketball items. Some holiday hoops going on as TCU men's basketball travels out to Hawaii for the Diamond Head Classic. This is an eight-team tournament, three games guaranteed as TCU opened up the tournament on Thursday with a thrashing of Old Dominion, a program that's really kind of struggling right now. I think they're like three and eight or four and seven, something pretty bad but TCU came out and took care of business handily in this game. Third time, the Frogs have gone over a hundred points this season, a new season high in scoring the final score, one eleven to 87 as TCU cruises in the first round of the tournament. Uh, The Chuck O'Bannon game, we might call this as he has 25 points off the bench. He goes eight of 10 from the field. He makes six three pointers Uh, all in all, a, a really good game from him. And, He's shown this in the past. I mean, every once in a while, it seems like Chuck O'Bannon just uh, breaks out of his cocoon and emerges as a butterfly. And, and I think in this game, TCU had nine three-pointers made, and he made six of them. So he's he's a real difference maker for, for TCU when he—and we've seen it in the tournament in the past. I mean, when Chuck O'Bannon is making three-point shots— this is a very different TCU team because this is a TCU team that frankly is not good at shooting three pointers right now. After the loss to Nevada, TCU is only shooting just over 32% from three point range, which uh, if you're, if you're able to get that kind of performance from Chuck O'Bannon, that makes a a huge difference, but everybody was, was good in this game. TCU for 16 turnovers, they scored Uh, 21 points off turnovers, 23 points on the fast break. And, you know, many of Old Dominion's points toward the end of the second half came in in garbage time. So uh, a good game for TCU to tip off the tournament. And then that put the Frogs in the semifinal round, which was held last night. TCU taking on Nevada, a really important game for potentially adding a feather to the cap in building an NCAA tournament resume. Nevada came in 10-1 and one, uh, on a really good start as well. Unfortunately, uh, this game, after the first 10 minutes, was really not very close. Uh, Jamie Dixon was teed up twice in this game. He was ejected, was not happy with the officiating. They were calling things very soft throughout this game. 47 fouls were called in this game against... Both teams, Nevada 21, TCU 26, uh, both teams shot hella free throws in this one. Uh, TCU was actually really, really good from the free throw line. I think they shot almost 90% from the free throw line in this game. But uh, TCU was really struggling to make perimeter shots in this game. And Nevada was able to build up a 12 point lead at halftime. It was 48 to 36 at halftime. And the second half, I mean, was just kind of a steady. TCU couldn't get within eight. I mean, it felt like every time TCU got to the rim, made a basket or drew a foul, got to the free throw line, made two free throws, Nevada came right down and did the exact same thing. Uh, the Wolfpack also made eight threes in this game. They shot 47% from three. TCU was three of 14, uh, 21%. So d- despite the fact that TCU was great from the free throw line and shot 45% from the field for the game. The the 15 point differential in three pointers and then the four technical free throws they gave up with Jamie Dixon's tees ultimately that's a a 19 point swing in a game that you lost by 13. So um you know this was somewhat similar to the Clemson game where TCU got down in the second half and just could not make they couldn't find like an eight zero run or a like a twelve two run to get make the game close or potentially tie it up. And you know TCU's just not shooting the ball really well enough from the perimeter. Jameer Nelson really struggled in this game again. He was one for nine from the field after going two for twelve against Clemson and three for eight against Georgetown. Jacoby Cole's also struggled from the field in this game as well and. You know, for TCU, Emmanuel Emmanuel Miller, who was really good in this game, had 24 points, uh, eight rebounds, was I think 13 of 14 from the free throw line, was knocking him down there at a really uh, high rate. He, along with Jacoby Coles and Jameer Nelson, those are your three best scorers. And when those three guys are not showing up for you in big games, you're going to have a really hard time winning. Uh, I thought Avery Anderson had a nice game off the bench with 11 points. Micah Peavy had 11, but uh, Coles and and Nelson, those are two guys that, that need to get, get it going from the field. They need to start heating up as you know, TCU will move into the third place game against Hawaii, which will be held tomorrow. After that, they have one more non-conference game and you're opening up big 12 play with Kansas, Oklahoma, Houston, number two, number seven, number three in the country. So, Uh, A a mixed bag of results for TCU to to start this Diamond Head Classic Tournament. I think there have been some really good things, but we've also seen what the weaknesses of this team are and, and what needs to be corrected moving forward.
1: Yeah, just to go back to the old Dominion game briefly, TCU only led by six at halftime of that game and looked... Uh, things looked a little bit nervy there. And they came out of the second half on fire and ran away with things. And, you know, they were in that couldn't miss mode the same way that Nevada was in game two. So, you know, I, th- I think TCU is definitely a a team that gets in these playing with fire situations where when when they're on, it's going to be tough. Even for these top teams of the big 12, they're going to, they're going to be fighting. But when, when they're off, when Jameer Nelson is as off as he was in the Clemson game and in this Nevada game, I mean, I, I it almost gives TCU no chance against a capable team. Um, you know, his, the allowing points off turnovers and, um, and and I don't know if he's just got a full green light from Dixon to just, to just go and shoot. Um, but I think maybe that needs to be more of a facilitator than a scorer at some points. I mean, there's, this was just a game, the, uh, against the Wolfpack where he just didn't have it. Um, and, and I guess TCU as a whole didn't really have it, but you would have liked to see more of the distribution there. Get, Miller more involved, get Peavy more involved, get these guys, uh, you know, Anderson, I thought Anderson was really impressive. I know his minutes were somewhat limited. He had some foul trouble. Um, and, but I, I, I thought he was terrific in this game really. Um, so I, I think there are bigger tests to come, but for TCU to have failed, it's two toughest tests. It's only tests really. Thus far on the season, both quadrant one games, um, you know, it doesn't kill you in the resume, you know, they didn't drop any, they have not yet dropped any of the, uh, real stinkers on their schedule, but, um, to have these two opportunities in the non-conference teams that you're going to be fighting for seating, fighting for bubble spots. I mean, right now, TCU, uh, fell out of the top 50 in the net after the, after this loss which TCU would not be in the NCAA tournament today. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty clear. So TCU has a lot of work to do um, mm-hmm. to get back to where it needs to be. And obviously we'll have tons of opportunities to through the big 12 schedule. Um, but the question will be, can they take advantage of those opportunities? Cause the two that they've seen so
0: far have, both resulted in pretty ugly losses. Yeah, mm-hmm. and looking at some of the numbers for this TCU team, TCU is arguably the best team in the country on the fast break, and TCU's field goal percentage when you look at the season. And uh, with, let's let's start with some positives here. TCU's free throw shooting has been really good. After the game last night against Nevada, TCU is shooting over seventy seven percent from the free throw line. That's really good compared to where. TCU was last season where I felt like Jacoby Coles was the only dude that could make free throws, uh, particularly down the stretch, and he was a guy coming off the bench. So that's a a good thing to see. And I think TCU is also attempting more free throws than it did last season because Emmanuel Miller is more of your go-to guy. He's done a nice job of working around the basket, drawing fouls. Jameer Nelson, uh, same way. I, I don't think he shot the ball very well against Old Dominion, he was three for 10, but he was 11 of 13 from the free throw line. And he's shooting, I want to say about 80% from from the free throw line. So uh, that's been a really positive sign for TCU. They're getting to the basket. They're getting out in transition. But we've seen now against Clemson and against Nevada when teams are able to prevent TCU from getting out in transition and they prevent TCU from scoring on the fast break. When TCU is forced to run a lot of half-court offense, that's when things really uh, stall and come to a halt because last season you had Mike Miles Jr., who was a kind of of a cheat code for breaking out of a a half-court offense that wasn't doing anything because he could go one-on-one with basically anyone he wanted to, and he could knock down a shot from basically anywhere on the floor. You also had Damian Ball, who was one of the best point guards in the big 12 in terms of being a facilitator. And I thought he even took a step forward last year and uh, knocking down some of those tough shots. But for this TCU team, you don't, you don't have that guy. Uh, maybe we thought Jameer Nelson coming in as a 20 point per game scorer from Delaware could be that guy, but he's, he's just not hitting shots. And to, to his credit, he's played really good defense. He's averaging about three steals a game. He's getting to the cup. He's knocking down free throws, but he he needs to make shots. And Jacoby Cole, same way. He also needs to make shots. And I'm not sure if it's worth Dixon making changes to the lineup. I don't know if he needs to swap out Nelson for Anderson, maybe to get some of these other guys going. And maybe you bring Nelson off the bench until he starts shooting the ball better. Uh, Trey Tennyson is another guy who I feel like has seldom, you know, he, he's – he's having a, a smaller role than I thought he would as, as a player who I think is by the numbers, TCU's one of the team's best pure shooters. I would really like to see Trey Tennyson be more involved and get a little bit more run. Maybe he's not getting a lot of run cause he's not a good defender. I don't know, but I, I would really like to see him get more shots because again, TCU shot 21% from three in this Nevada game, it is shooting only 32.4% on the season, despite the fact that TCU is shooting over 50% from the field on the season. So what does that tell you? That tells you that TCU is getting a lot of their points on shots near the rim because of fast breaks and forcing turnovers, getting points in transition. But there are going to be times where the defense Falters like it did in the Nevada game, or the offense is forced to run a lot of half court sets. And if you're not able to knock down shots, or if you're not able to run good offense in those half court settings, you're going to have a really, really hard time beating good opponents unless you get uh, games like Chuck O'Bannon dropping 25 against Old Dominion. So I think we have a large enough sample size with TCU being nine and two. And having faced some good non-conference teams, I think we have a, a pretty good sample size so far and a good idea of you know what this team does well and where it struggles and where it needs to get better moving forward. And we'll see if if some lineup changes will we'll fix that or not. But uh, as I said before, Jameer Nelson and Jacoby Coles are two guys that have to play well against good teams in order for TCU to have any chance to win.
1: Yeah, TCU is top 20 in 2 point field goal percentage, top 25 nationally in free throw percentage and sub 200 in 3 point percentage. Um, you know, yeah. it's it, it, at least the free throws are better than it was last year, but the the 3 point percentage is the, is is the same range as it was last year. I mean, when you when you're sub 200 and you're defensively allowing a, a sub 200 you know you're you're one of the you're sub 200 defensively against the three point shot um you have games like this against Nevada where the other team makes its shots and you miss yours and you you're going to lose whether you're a better team or not and Nevada's a really good team that's a tournament team that's a that's a you know they will be competing for Mountain West championship and and a legit seed in the tournament but um you know it <clears throat> it's the the worst defensive performance from TCU on the season and it's unfortunate because it, it was actually a, a quite good offensive performance um you know the, the the free throws and and everything outside of the three point shots mm-hmm. uh but but you know you miss 11 three pointers and you're, you're just not going to win the game as against the team that's making it shot. So you're going to have games like that, but I think we, we kind of have, we can't wipe away like, ah, uh, we can't hand wave these losses to Clemson and Nevada just because those are, you know, you had bad games against good teams. Uh, we need to see TCU have good games against good teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, It's going to be very hard to measure against really, I mean, Kansas, Houston, Oklahoma, even the Iowa state games, the Baylor games, it's, it's going to be a gauntlet and things could really spiral here. I don't, I think Jamie Dixon is too good a coach. The talent on this roster is too good that I don't think that's what's going to happen, but. I mean, you start conference play 0-3 and things get very worrisome very quickly. So, um, I mean, we'll find out more about this team over the next couple weeks. And and really, this Hawaii game coming up today is a pretty big game. I mean, it, it counts as a true away game against Hawaii. So, a, a win there that, you know, if Hawaii has an okay season, it could be a, a good little mark as a a quad two or high quad three win on the resume. So I think it's one TCU cannot be messing around with Hawaii. Hawaii can absolutely come out and and catch the frogs. So I think it should be a fun one, but uh, it it, it counts as a good opportunity to bounce back here against, against the
0: Warriors. Yeah. This Hawaii game is a must win game for me. I think you have to get to 11 and two going into conference play because with Kansas Oklahoma and Houston coming through as your first three opponents in conference play. I mean, you're, I think you'd be happy to win one of those. You would be ecstatic to win two of those, but, uh, to start off zero and three in conference play, as you said, would be, uh, really rough, especially if you lose to, to Hawaii, because then you're looking at being 10 and six with, with a slew of tough conference games still to still to come. So, yeah. uh, And, and
1: I just pulled up Hawaii's kind of metrics here. Uh, they are, they shoot through 35% from three point, one of, <laughs> they're going to be one of the better teams in the country there. Uh, and they defend the three at an extremely high rate, uh, allowing only 27% from their opponents. So this, this has a recipe again for another game where TCU can't shoot the three and allows a bunch of mm-hmm. points from the three point line. So it's it's kind of a toss-up here. I think it's a huge game. TCU really needs to go out and, and exert some power against this team. Um, and it's probably going to be, you know, force a bunch of turnovers and get Emmanuel Miller to the rim. Uh, mm-hmm. It should be a good one, though. And, and, you know, maybe by the time you're listening to this, that game's already happened. So, <laughs> you know, hopefully we don't sound ridiculous breaking this game down. And, and TCU just runs away with it or something, that would be great. But, um, you know, I think if uh, if you have a chance to catch the Hawaii game today, it should be a real good test for TCU. Yeah.
0: Make sure you get this listen in uh, today before the Christmas Eve and and Christmas Day holidays as uh, we'll go ahead and, and transition here into our final TCU hoops item of the morning. The TCU women's basketball team. Extends its historic winning streak to 13 games, the longest winning streak in program history. TCU closing out non-conference play uh, Wednesday and Friday with games against Omaha and Mount St. Mary's. Two you know weaker non-conference opponents. Uh, TCU coming out, taking care of business, dominating both of these games, really. Uh, Sedona Prince was tremendous in both of these games. A uh, 27 point double double against Omaha on Wednesday, and a 22 point, I believe, 15 rebound double double in the game against Mount Saint Mary's yesterday. TCU uh, cruising over Omaha on Wednesday, final score of 96 to 69. Madison Connor, I believe, had about, I think she had 19 points or so in that game. Jaden Owens had a 14 point, 10 assist double double. Continues to facilitate at a very high level for. The Horn Frogs, who also crushed Mount Saint Mary's last night, eighty-seven to thirty-four, the final score, and I, I believe it was seventy-one to seventeen after three quarters. TCU had a twenty-five to zero run in this game. They outscored Mount Saint Mary's thirty-one to three in the third quarter. Again, Sedona Prince dominated. Agnes Emma and Opu had fifteen points and ten rebounds for a double-double. Uh, Aliyah Robertson got the start. Jaden Owens didn't play in this game. It was just a scheduled off day to, to get some rest as TCU will get into conference play now at 13 and 0 on the season and ranked in the top 25 as the number 25 team in the country. And uh, really happy to see Sedona Prince close out non conference play with two really big games. I mean, she's been basically a walking double-double for TCU during non-conference play and I'm excited to see how she stacks up against some of the uh some of the front court players in the Big 12 and the same goes for Madison Connor who is uh knocking down three pointers at a historic pace for TCU and ranks as one of the best shooters in the country still excited to see what she can do against some of these guards in the Big 12 conference and then Jaden Owens distributing at a very high level uh has had multiple double, double points, assist games for TCU so far. Very interested to see how she stacks up uh, against the big 12 uh, after coming over from Baylor this season. So congratulations again to Mark Campbell, his staff and and the lady frogs on uh, an unbeaten non-conference slate. Uh I did not jinx them. I, I, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. They, they were just there they're playing so well right now. And it just seems like every new player that has come in, all five starters are transfers who were not on the team last season. And for all of these players to come in and find their roles and execute their roles the way they have, you know, Madison Connor is, is the scorer and the shooter. Sedona Prince is the low post dominator. Agnes Emma and is one of your best rebounders. She plays great perimeter defense. Uh, Una Jovanovic is a nice complimentary guard. She can be a, a complimentary facilitator. Jade Noens as your lead guard is is playing extremely well. So it's it's not often that you you have a lineup consisting of entirely new players who have never played with each other before. And they come in with one preseason camp and you you come out thirteen and 0 in in non conference play. So even though you, you may not have faced the, the toughest opponents, just the margin of victory in some of these games is is quite staggering. So it's been really impressive to watch this team, and I'm really excited to see how they can move through the Big 12 schedule.
1: Yeah, just a terrific start to, to the new era here for TCU women's basketball. Um, and I think it's the first time in program history to go through the non-conference slate undefeated. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, setting setting new bars for the program here, and and I think that there are more glass ceilings to break for this this team. Uh, following the win over Mount St. Mary's, TCU is up to number twenty two overall in the NCAA net, um, and uh, you know, yes, the the opponent schedule has not been the best TCU ranks as the number 307 non-conference strength of schedule uh, per the net. So yeah, you're not playing the, the stiffest competition, but you do have a win over Nebraska on, on a neutral. That is a, that's a very high level win. Nebraska is number 21 in the net right now. So um, for what it's worth, winning games is hard and even if you're overmatching competition uh to run through that schedule undefeated is very impressive um and like you said very much looking forward to what this team will do in the Big 12 um where it stacks up in in the Big 12 rankings it's Big 12 is not Maybe as difficult on the women 's side as it is on the men's side, but it is still has some of the the best teams in the country, so should be make for a fun conference slate once that starts here a week from today against b y u uh just looking back at some of the performances from the non conference schedule um, to see where t c u ranks nationally and within the big twelve on some of this stuff so As a team, TCU in the Big 12, first overall in three-point field goal percentage and three-pointers made per game. Those are number two nationally on three points made per game and number 12 nationally, uh, uh, three-point field goal percentage. Uh, TCU ranks number one in the Big 12 in opponent three-point percentage and number two in the Big 12 in opponent points per game. Uh, number one overall in assist to turnover ratio. So TCU really pretty much across all statistics in the Big 12 is top five uh, points per game, rebounds per game, all of that stuff. Um, so collectively as a unit, the team is is doing some very impressive stuff. But just to dig in on some of the individual contributors, Madison Connor, uh, first in the Big 12 points per game, First in the big twelve, three points made, second in the big twelve three point percentage. she is first in the country, number one overall in three pointers made uh, and three point field goals per game. Yes, more than Caitlin Clark, the world famous mm-hmm. Iowa uh, sharpshooter that is <clears throat> you know has all the NIL deals and is an extremely famous women's college basketball player. Madison Connor is currently through the non conference portion of the schedule out shooting what is thought to be the best shooter in, in college basketball. So uh she's just been on an absolute tear. Um her points per game, that's number seventh nationally. Um so one of the absolutely one of the best players in all of college basketball so far uh this season, Madison Connor. Sedona Prince <clears throat> across the board is either top one or two in points per game, rebounds per game and blocks. Um let's see. Yeah, TCU has the top 2 points per game in the conference right now. Um <laughs> in, in Connor and Prince. So that's that's very cool. Um Prince is fourth nationally in blocks and then Jaden Owens first in the Big 12 assists per game, fourth overall nationally. So these are these are three players who are statistically three of the best in the country, um, performing at a very high level. Again, the competition is sub 300 strength of schedule. So we got a grain of salt a little bit, but should make for, for very exciting things ahead for this program. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. And I think we'll, with that, we'll go ahead and, uh, Cap off our holiday episode this morning here on Frogs Up. We appreciate all of you listening in. And again, we hope that all of you have a, a Merry Christmas and have a, a great holiday weekend. Again, Charlie Hustle, get your TCU swag. Use that promo code Frogs Award. Get 15% off any TCU items or use the promo code 101215 TEN1215 through our partnership with the 1012 Network. Get 15% off any item at charliehustle.com. Last second stocking stuffer, go to Onnit Athlete, get your TCU horn Frog football trading cards. Affiliate links are posted to our Facebook, our Twitter, and our website at Frogs of War. And daily fantasy sports, download the Price Picks mobile app or go to prizepix.com. Use the promo code FROGS12, FROGS12. Get a 100% deposit match up to $100. We appreciate all of the support uh all the listeners here on Frogs Up and also uh reading our content online at frogsaward.com. We recently uh updated our website a little bit. Hopefully the user interface is a little more user friendly now. We don't have links up there that are broken or not going anywhere. Everything is updated now by by sport. You can look up any soccer articles from this past season, any volleyball articles, basketball. Uh, football, and more. So uh, give us a view at frogsaward.com and uh, continue to listen in here on Frogs Up as well. I'm Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. We will go ahead and sign off for the morning with a Frogs Up. Frogs Up.